Well, good morning. It's so good to see you guys. It's so good to be here with you this morning. I'm so glad that you are here. For those of you who may be visiting with us, I just wanna take a second and introduce myself. My name is Stacy McLean. My husband, Chris, and I have been calling Crosstown home now for about 18 years, about the age of my daughter. She's the one who did announcements if you were here and you saw her. So um, for about 18 years, we've been calling this home. And Pastor Paul has come and asked me to share with you guys this morning as we're wrapping up um, this series the stimulus, the real stimulus package. Thank you, Scott. And so, you know, over the last several weeks, Pastor Paul has been teaching us and talking to us about the real stimulus package. And last week he began telling us and talking to us actually a couple of weeks ago about how God wants to collaborate with us through his word and through his spirit. He wants, God wants to empower each one of us through his spirit to bring beauty into the foreground. He did a great job last week of talking to us about the idea of blurring that background so that we can see the beauty in our foreground. And I don't know about you, but that message really resonated with me because there are a lot of background things right now that are challenging. There are a lot of circumstances around me that are difficult. And so being able to bring that focus on the foreground. And then he shared this verse with us. And I love this verse. I grew up in church, so I've heard this verse my whole life. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And he talked to us about the idea of mastering showing up in the moment. And I thought, man, I need to practice mastering showing up in the moment because whatever moment I'm in, I'm actually about six moments over here ahead of it because I'm thinking about what I need to do next. And so that idea of mastering showing up in the moment, this is the day. Today is the day that the Lord has given us. Today in this moment is where we need to be rejoicing. And so I went home last week and I thought, okay, I'm gonna practice mastering showing up in the moment. I'm gonna work on being in the moment and being empowered by God and using God's word. And I made it until maybe Tuesday before I was like, I don't know. I mean, you know, anybody there with me that maybe you made it till Tuesday and you thought, good grief, if my neighbor does not stop blocking my driveway every time I get home, my neighbor doesn't do that in case she's listening, she doesn't. But I'm just saying, you know, some of us may have frustrations with our neighbors. We may have frustration in our workplace. Our boss may be driving us crazy. Again, my boss isn't driving me crazy, by the way, too, in case he's listening. (laughs) Um, But you know, we may have these moments. I am sure many of us left out of here last Sunday encouraged and really wanting to rejoice in the day that God had given us in the foreground of our lives. But if you are similar to me, then you may have made it to Tuesday before you thought, I can't do this. And so Pastor Paul left us with a little teaser last week about how we can collaborate with God to perform this, to be able to do this, because it really is going to require us to partner with God. Remember, he told us that God wants us to co-labor, to collaborate with him. God is inviting us in. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to master showing up, to rejoice in the day that we are in? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a little bit of uh, help in that in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But to each one, that each one is each one of us who is in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So if you are in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are the each one. I am the each one. And this verse is saying that to each one is given a manifestation 
just a, a, an ability to see the power of the spirit for the common good. So what is that common good? The common good represents your foreground. What is near to you? Who are the people that are closest to you? They're your foreground. I know you might not like that, but that's the reality of your foreground. You aren't going to change that unless you move. But those people, your neighbors, the people in this church, the people that you work with, your family, your circle of influence, that's your common good. That's your foreground. That's the area that is before you. And just imagine what would happen if we brought the beauty of the foreground through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the manifestation of the Spirit, if we brought that into our foreground, think about how that could change. If we brought that into the relationships with the people that we interact with, with the people that we interact with at work, with the people that we interact with here at church, with our family members, with our neighbors, with our homeowners associations. You guys, I'm dealing with my homeowners association right now and I, I need some empowerment of the Holy Spirit to deal in that situation. And I need to be reminded that there is a beauty of the foreground and not to get lost in the background. And so when I started looking at that word, the common good and thinking about what is the common good, I am a word nerd. And so I went straight to a lexicon and looked up the meaning of that word. And the original Greek word that is used for common good, it's one word. And it actually is where we get the word symphony from. Um, it's symphora is the word that's used in Greek. And it means to be an advantage to someone else, to be good, to do something good for someone else. And it is, like I said, where we get our word symphony from. And so I started thinking about um, that idea, the beginning of it, S-Y-M means together, and how a symphony orchestra works together. Now, I have no musical background at all. Um, anyone who knows me knows that. And so to think about this idea of a symphony orchestra, I had to do a little bit of research. And so I found out what a symphony is and what a symphony orchestra is. And if you already know this because you're a part of music, just bear with me as I share with you what I learned on the great World Wide Web. But a symphony is a piece of music that is written to be played by 18 to 25 different kinds of instruments. So a symphony is actually a piece of music that somebody will write, but it requires between 18 to 25 different instruments to play that one piece of music. That's pretty impressive. So a symphony orchestra is a group of up to 100 musicians that are broken into categories of, um, I don't know, what are they, percussion, string instruments, wind instruments, is that about right, Laurel? Okay, good, yeah. So they're broken into these different categories and they come together and they play this piece of music. So for instance, Beethoven's Fifth, it would not sound the same if Ricky played it by himself. Ricky couldn't play that, even though Ricky is one of the most talented musicians that I know, he couldn't play that by himself because it's not designed to be played alone. And in the same way, we are not designed to have gifts and manifestations of the Spirit individually for ourselves. It is, we are called to be a symphony orchestra. Those of us in Christ are called to be a symphony orchestra, to play good music. Think about how the atmosphere of your family would change if every time you walked in your house, instead of thinking about the fact that maybe your son didn't move his bike out of the driveway or they didn't bring in the trash or the recycling still at the front door or whatever your frustration may be when you walk in, but think about how the atmosphere of your house might change when you walk in and you think, oh no, 
I'm supposed to come and bring an advantage into the atmosphere. I'm supposed to come into the house today and I'm supposed to speak words of life, words of encouragement, words of kindness to those in my family. Even if it has to be a word of correction, parents, even when you're speaking to your kids, I'm not telling you don't discipline your kids. No, we have to do that as parents, but we can do it in a way that brings life, that brings encouragement, that brings healing. Wives, husbands, when you talk to each other, you're going to have conflict. But when you do that, think about what if you, just what if for a moment you thought, how can I bring an advantage to this situation? How can I bring a benefit to this person? Because that's what this verse is talking about in 1 Corinthians. And if we decided to do that, it might just look a little like this. The Apostle Paul talks about spiritual gifts in several different places in Scripture, in Ephesians and in Romans and Corinthians. So in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, and he tells them what it's gonna look like if they were a symphony orchestra but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting, listen to this part, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what it looks like to be a symphony orchestra. That's what it looks like to be given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. It looks like submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. But I'm gonna tell you, you can't do that on your own. I can't do that on my own. That is not natural to me. It is going to require the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It is gonna require me yielding to myself. So what does it actually look like then to love others out of the reverence of Christ? It means that we have to at some point make a decision to take our eyes off of ourselves. We must move our eyes off of ourselves and onto Christ. I have to stop looking at every situation. How does this change me? How does this affect me? How can I benefit? How can I get one up on the guy sitting next to me at work? How can I get one up on my husband and win that next argument? How can I get one up on my neighbor? How can I get one up on this person? Because a lot of us have been fighting for ourselves because nobody else is fighting for us, so we gotta do it ourselves. And the reality is that is not what it's like to walk in relationship with Christ. The apostle Paul says, no, we are called to submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Now that doesn't mean lay down and let somebody walk all over you. That's not what it means. But what we need to do is make sure that we're taking the focus off of ourselves and we're putting it on Christ. And we're looking to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who set before him the cross and he conquered it. So we need to look through him and we need to look to him instead of looking to ourselves and how we can protect ourselves. And I don't mean this in a harsh way. I know some of us feel like we've never been protected and we feel like we are the only ones who are gonna protect ourselves and we're gonna have to defend ourselves Please listen, if you are in Christ, he is your protector. He is your defender. He goes before you and makes a way. Just this morning, I was talking to him and he said, my presence is your covering and your protection. 
His presence in my life is my covering and my protection. I don't need it coming from anywhere else. He will do that for me. And when we understand that, we can begin looking to Christ. Just like in a symphony orchestra, everywhere you're sitting in the symphony, if you see that, when you see all of the musicians, they are sitting in a way that every single person, all 100 of them, have a clear line of sight to the conductor wherever they are sitting, because what happens is if I'm over here playing, I need to clearly be able to see what the conductor is doing because the conductor is telling me when I need to play because the conductor sees the entire thing and understands the overall beauty that is coming when that many people are working together. Guess who our conductor is? Jesus Christ. And we've got to put our eyes on Jesus Christ, the conductor. So I ask you what I've asked myself. What is in your line of sight? What is blocking you from seeing Jesus? What is conducting your thoughts right now? Is it jealousy? Is it disappointment? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Are those the things that are in your line of sight? Because if they are, you gotta move them out and put your eyes back on Jesus. Or maybe you're like me. (laughs) And maybe what's blocking your line of sight is, well, if everybody else was just like me, then the world would be a much better place. I I know, I hate that I have to tell you what I'm thinking, but that's really the thing that blocks me up the most often is, well, I mean, if if my husband was as smart as me, you guys, he's way smarter, but if he was as smart as me, then everything would be better. If he knew what I wanted already, if he was more like me, then it would be better. And the reality is, we need to move that out of our line of sight. We need to move that out of conducting our thoughts because instead of thinking that the world would be better if we were all the same or we all had the same gifts or the same personality, that is not true. We need to appreciate the unique gifts that God gave, especially to his church, to each one of us who is in relationship. He has given us unique gifts that are crafted for me and crafted for you. He's given us different gifts, a variety of gifts, and we want to look at what those varieties of gifts are. So instead of wishing that everyone was just like us, we need to embrace those unique gifts. The Apostle Paul tells us that in Romans 12, 4 through 6, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body. We are a symphony orchestra in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Do you hear the diversity in that? There is not a sameness that we're all gonna get the same gifts. We're getting a variety of gifts, different gifts. And when we come together, we can play Beethoven's fifth. But I can't play play Beethoven's fifth by myself. This morning, me standing here and sharing and teaching and getting into God's word with you did not happen because I was the only one who had a gift who did this. No, Faraja, she was here this morning. She walked all over this stage and prayed for it. Her gift of prayer has made a way. Ricky and the team that leads us in worship, their gifting has made a way for this to work together so that we can play Beethoven's fifth, so we can have a beautiful song. And guess what? It's not reserved for just those of us who are on this stage. God has a unique gift for you. He has a unique gift for every single one of us. And he wants you using it. He wants you to be a part of the symphony orchestra so the church can play play the music of Christ, the hope of Christ to the world around us. There is, the, the world has lost its music. 
And we, the church, those of us, each one of us who are in relationship with Christ are called to bring it back. The Apostle Paul goes on later in 1 Corinthians 12, and he starts listing some of those gifts. So we're going to get into some nitty gritty. I mean, we're just going to talk about some of the gifts that he is telling us in 1 Corinthians 12. But I also want to just stop for a second and encourage you. Um, I was talking to a friend about this the other night, and she was like, oh, so you're talking about spiritual gifts? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, how do you know what your spiritual gift is? I mean, it just seems so overwhelming. And doesn't it, doesn't it seem, I mean, kind of intense and it should be this one thing and it's like, this is your spiritual gift and this is what you're gonna do. And I told her, I said, you know, I honestly think that the gifts are available to us at different times. I don't think that it's just a one-time, one thing, and I'm always gonna have one gift. I do think there are some gifts that we can use and continuously use, but I think there's also an ability for us. So when we're listening to these gifts and learning about these gifts today, don't think, okay, well, I'm gonna get a word of knowledge. That's the gift that God's given me and that's it. No, I think he's saying we can ask for any of these gifts. He's just kind of given us like, hey, here's the salad bar. You want spinach or you want iceberg lettuce on your salad? We can ask but then we'll see that it is the spirit that who apportions to each one as he chooses to give to us. But we can ask, we are invited into that. So listen as I read 1 Corinthians 12, eight through 11. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. Do you hear the variety of gifts, but the one spirit, the same spirit? What word do you keep hearing? The spirit, because it's the spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit that is gonna empower these gifts. It's one again, one again. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. That is what it looks like, all of those varieties of gifts. The Spirit gives as He wills. We don't get to choose. It's given to us in a moment for the common good. So who knows what the whole orchestra is supposed to be doing? The conductor, Christ knows. He knows what is going to be for the common good of my house that day, of my workplace, of my circle of influence. And so he knows, okay, I'm gonna give her this gift here at this time because I know what is going to be of advantage to the group as a whole. We're one body, we're one spirit, and we're called to one hope. Each one of us in Christ, we're called to one hope. The biggest thing that we need to learn about spiritual gifts is spiritual gifts are others focused. This is what we've been talking about. They're others focused. They're focused on other people. Yes, I am given a gift. You are given a gift, but it is not necessarily for my benefit. It is for the benefit of the common good of those people in my foreground, of those people that I interact with. And we're going to have some examples of how that works out and what that looks like when we look at each of these gifts. So the first one I want to talk about is wisdom and knowledge. It says, to some are given a gift of wisdom and a gift of knowledge. And again, I want to caution us, don't get so hammered down on, well, is that a wisdom or a word of knowledge? Let me just kind of give you an example, a real 
easy, plain example of how I see the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. I mean, is a, yeah, a tomato is a fruit. But wisdom is knowing, don't put that tomato in your fruit salad. If you're making fruit salad, you probably don't wanna put a tomato in it. Do you see the difference between wisdom and knowledge? You know, imagine how that's gonna play out in your marriage. You, you know, for me, you might have a word of knowledge, but do you also have a word of wisdom that you could maybe impart that knowledge, speaking that truth in love to your teenager, speaking that truth in love to your spouse, speaking that truth in love to your coworker? See, sometimes we're gonna have these words of wisdom and these words of knowledge, but we also need wisdom from God to know when and how to speak that. Because just because you're right doesn't mean you need to tell everyone exactly what you're thinking. You know what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, again, when the Apostle Paul is talking about these spiritual gifts, listen to what he says when he's talking about them coming together in one body. He says, Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, that's each one of us, joined together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, if you're gonna start asking God for a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, you're gonna start asking him for that. You need to remember it's in love, speak it in love. So when you're studying the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 really kind of give us a lot of information about spiritual gifts. And Pastor Paul and I were going through that, um, I don't know, several weeks ago when we knew this was coming up and we began looking and we'll, we do this often when he's planning a series, we just kind of start hammering it out and we'll get the Bible open and we'll start looking through it. Well, this was an epiphany to me, it probably not to him, but to me, 1 Corinthians 12 and then 14, guess what comes in the middle? What comes in between 12 and 14? 13, right? You guys are so smart, 13. And like Ben said, it's the love chapter. Do you think that that is unintentional of God? No, he's like, look, I'm gonna give you the manifestation of the spirit. It is gonna be beyond what a human can do, but we gotta make sure it's done in love. That's why that love chapter, see that love chapter gets taken out of context. You know how I knew the love chapter? Cause it's at every wedding I go to. They speak of the love chapter. And so when I hear 1 Corinthians 13, I think marriage. No, when you hear 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, think spiritual gifts, empowerment of the Holy Spirit because it's to communicate the love of God. That is the most important thing that we're doing. That's what the common good is. People need to know that God is not up there angry, pointing his finger, shooting lightning bolts down. The church needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak the love of God into the hurt and into the broken and have a manifestation of the Spirit with a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge so that we can encourage and speak truth and love. There are a lot of people not speaking truth right now. I don't know if y'all been watching the news lately or seeing what's going on, but there's a lot of non-truth going on. So the truth needs to be spoken. But you guys, if we can't speak it in love, the apostle Paul says, we're a clanging symbol. We are nothing. So we have to learn how to speak the truth in love. And it is going to require the power of the Holy Spirit because I know the right thing. But boy, I need God's grace, God's mercy, God's kindness, and God's compassion to speak that word correctly. So the next section of gifts that we're looking at that the Apostle Paul breaks down in this passage, we start out with something kind of like 
I feel like, you know, he's just kind of getting our feet wet with wisdom and knowledge because we can kind of get that, it's a word. Well, then he's gonna go into things that are a little bit more, hmm, and then he goes real weird. So it's kind of like, you know, he starts out and says, you know, to some's given a word of knowledge, some's wisdom. Now we're gonna move into the like, it's a little bit stranger. And then by the end, we're gonna be way over here where you're like, I don't know about all that. But it is one spirit, one God, a variety of gifts. So he starts talking about faith, gifts of healing and working of miracles. The gift of faith that he's talking about here is different than saving faith. So when you accept Christ, you have a saving faith. That's salvation faith. That's not what he's talking about right here. He's talking about a gift of faith that goes beyond that. It's to trust God beyond the circumstance in front of you. One preacher put it this way, and I love this definition of what the spiritual gift of faith, the manifestation of the spirit is for faith. He says, this gift is exercised in persistent prayer and endurance and intercession along with strong trust in God in the midst of a difficult circumstance. Now that is a gift right there. I need people around me that have this gift. I need people who are going to persist in prayer, endure in intercession, which just simply means praying for other people. I want friends in my life who have the gift of faith for me, who know I'm in a difficult situation and will persist in prayer and will intercede on my behalf. And let me just tell you, you should be glad that I have friends like that because this week I had friends who knew I had a lot going on and I had to write this message. And I can't tell you five or six people this week text me and said, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God speaks through you. You guys need to be thanking my friends because guess what? You just saw an act of grace, a grace gift of God because the symphony illustration that I used with you, some of you are probably like, that is beautiful. That is brilliant. Well, guess what? Stacy McLean would not have used that. Let me just tell you what I would have used. A picture of a cow with steaks all around it, all the different kinds of steaks you can get out of a cow. So earlier this week, I said, hey, Ricky, I'm thinking, you know, I wanna explain the, the variety and the difference, but the one spirit, so I'm thinking a cow. He stood at my office door and he was like, okay. He's so kind, you guys. Um, objectively, do you think that analogy works? <laughs> And I was like, I don't know, it's what I got. But my friends who have a gift of faith for me, who trust God and trust that God will move through me, were praying for me. And the next morning I texted him, I said, the cow is out, the symphony orchestra is in. And he was like, brilliant, brilliant. So you can thank God for that gift that he gave because I have friends who have a gift of faith. Right now I have a friend who really is in a difficult situation and God's given me a faith gift for her and I am praying for her and I am believing for her what God is gonna do when she can't see it and believe it for herself. So God's given me this gift of faith for her. And so I intercede and I persist in prayer and I text her, that's what it looks like. I text her and I say, hey, I believe God is gonna do this for you. And you know what? Even if God doesn't do the specific thing that I believe he's gonna do for her, she said, but I know God's got it because I believe that I hear the encouragement from it. Be willing to be bold and courageous. Ask God to give you a gift of faith for yourself. Ask him to give a gift of faith to your spouse for you. Ask him. He says, you have not because you ask not. I am very needy. So I ask him a lot, you guys. I ask him all the time. And that's what, so that's what that kind of, that faith gift is. And 
then gifts of healing, you've seen that. We've heard stories. Go talk to Pastor Ben if you wanna hear some amazing stories of healing gifts because those are just when diseases are cured and we have no explanation for it. And I could stand here all day and tell you about those. But then I also wanna talk to you about this idea of miracles because that's the one that I think kind of gets us hung up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We wanna define a miracle. I don't know about you, but when I think about a miracle, I'm like, it's got to be like this big, huge event. It's gotta be this thing that, I mean, like Peter walking on water, that's a miracle, right? I mean, that was a miracle. Bringing someone back from the dead, that's a miracle. But I think today, some of those miracles, we, get, we don't pay attention to them because it's not bringing someone back from the dead. It's not walking on water. But literally a miracle in scripture is translated as an act of power. And I wanna tell you about a miracle I saw yesterday. I had the um, unfortunate opportunity, and I mean that, it was an unfortunate opportunity um, to attend a funeral for a 17-year-old girl that I love dearly. And um, we lost her all of a sudden. And at that funeral yesterday, filled with a bunch of high school students who need Jesus, they need the love of Jesus, they need the truth of Jesus, those kids saw a miracle yesterday because the power of God was so apparent. The joy of the Lord was so apparent in this funeral of this girl. Yes, we are grieving. Yes, we lost a sweet girl and I am sad and I will miss her and I will pray for her family. But let me tell you, we stood to our feet in that funeral yesterday and we lifted our hands and we said, we praise you, God, you are good. Let me tell you, if there was a teenager sitting in there who had just lost their friend and saw a bunch of people praising God, that's a miracle. That was an act of power that God poured out in a difficult situation. No, he didn't heal my friend. He didn't bring her back from the dead, but she's more alive today than any of us. She is free. She is at home. Her race has finished and we got to praise God through it. And if you are not a part of God, if you're not in relationship with him, you probably think I am crazy right now, but that is where our hope comes from. That's what a miracle looks like. It's a power. It's the act of God demonstrating his power before us, something that's beyond what we can do on our own. It is his power demonstrated for his glory, for his honor. So don't get too hung up on the idea of a miracle having to be this one thing that is just this one big thing. Look for miracles every day. Begin asking God, God, show me an act of power. Show me that so that I can be encouraged. Ask him to give you insight to that and see that. Okay, I told you, we were going from over here like words of wisdom and knowledge and then we got into the like miracle stuff. Now we're way over here into prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various tongues, right? And you guys are like, yep, that's it. That's too far. That is weird, right? I know I was there. I was there. But I think a lot of time when we think about the word prophecy and I have been praying since January of this year that God would give us more prophecy. I've been studying and reading and pressing into it and I have been asking God, give us prophecy, give us prophecy. But I had to know what prophecy meant because I think so often prophecy gets kind of um, conflated and pushed down to end times theology that we're gonna predict the, the end times. Now, there may be some part of prophecy that is going to do that, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, three and see what the apostle Paul tells us that prophecy is. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. The one who prophesies is bringing encouragement and a word of consolation and upbuilding. I don't know 
about you, but I want those people in my life too. I need someone to speak a word of encouragement. I need someone to console my heart. I need someone who's got my back and wants to build me up. So I've been praying for that. I've been asking for that. Now, I started this process several years ago of beginning to kind of ask God to use me and to have his gifts poured out on me. I told y'all I'm needy. I ask a lot. And so um, several years ago, I just started practicing this and wanted to see if he would give me this gift. And so I was out on a run and I started praying. I said, God, whatever you wanna speak to me today, just start speaking to me today. I wanna hear whatever, whoever you wanna talk about, I'm just listening. And he began speaking to me about a friend that I had not seen in about three years. This friend had moved um, to the West Coast to do ministry on the West Coast. And God just started speaking to me. And I was like, wow, I wrote it all down. And I sent an email to my friend and I said, hey, listen, I was out on a run today and I feel like God was speaking to me and made me turn my music music off. And um, when I wanted to turn my music back on, he said, no, because I'm asking this guy to put the music down for a while. And this guy was a worship leader. So I sent him this email and everything. Do you know that the day out, the next day after he got the email, he went back to his church and they asked him to step out of being on stage and doing worship because God was revealing to me some things that were going to encourage him. I had the opportunity to go to dinner with him and his wife last week. And he said, you know, I still have that email. It was from 2014, you guys, 2014. He said, I still have that email because God was speaking to you about what I was gonna go through and your email brought encouragement. It brought consolation to my heart. It helped me hold on when I was in a dark season. That's what prophecy looks like. But I will tell you at the end of it, um, I just said, hey, listen, if this email strikes a chord with you, hold on to it. If it doesn't, then just know I'm practicing this hearing from God thing and my heart is to do what's right, but I'm not sure, I'm just practicing it. We have to be willing to kind of step out and say, hey, listen, I'm not sure, but I think maybe, what do you think? Does that resonate with you? And we'll get into that uh, in a minute, just a little bit more. But when we're doing this and we're focusing on others and we're using gifts that God's given us for the common good, one person says that it means that we're doing it for the glory of God and the good of others for the glory of God and the good of others. So, you know, again, like I said with my friend, I told him, hey, I'm not sure if this email is gonna really strike a chord with you or not, because we have to test prophecy. That's what scripture tells us. We must test the prophecies. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. That is a warning to us that, hey, listen, it may get a little mucky because guess what? I am not God. You are not God. And so when God's speaking to me, something might get lost in translation. <laughs> you know, it just might get lost. And there are times when I hear God say something and then I say seven other things and God's like, girl, I'm way over here. I didn't say any of that that you said. So we have to test the prophecy. We have to make sure that it lines up with scripture. So before we go around telling people what God's telling us, I think we need to make sure that we're testing that prophecy. So there is a word of caution in there and just making sure that it lines up with scripture and be willing to say to someone, hey, I'm just trying this thing out. My heart is to serve God. I'm just practicing this. I'm just trying it out. But the other part of this verse that really stood out to me, it says, do not despise prophecy. And I'll tell you, I would have said, no way, man, I don't despise prophecy. But then I looked up what that word despise means. And it could mean anything from never mentioning prophecy, never thinking about it, never talking about it, 
all the way over to mocking it and making fun of it. Well, surely I wasn't mocking and making fun of prophecy, but you know what? There was a time when I was over here and I never mentioned it and I didn't seek it and I didn't go after it. You know why? Because it was weird, you guys. It was strange. It was beyond my natural mind because it was supernatural. But this verse is saying, don't despise it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to ask God for it. Don't be afraid to mention it. And so um, I don't know where you are today, but I wanna encourage you. If you're listening to this and you, you have some mixed emotions on it and you're just not quite sure where you are and you're thinking, man, I kind of want to do that, but I'm a little bit afraid. I just want to encourage you today that it's not too late, um, that you're here for a reason. There's a reason that you're here. There's a reason that you're watching online today. There's a reason that you're hearing this today. It's because God wants to speak to you about this. And so um, I just want to encourage you today, maybe ask God today, God, help me to trust you more in this. Um, begin asking him to pour out more of his spirit on you. Don't be afraid to pray that prayer. God, give me more of your spirit. God, pour out your spirit on me. He wants to do that. Scripture tells us, doesn't your father in heaven want to give good gifts to his children? He wants to give us these gifts. But there was a long period of my life where I despised it. I just wouldn't mention it. I was afraid of it. And if you were in that place, I wanna encourage you, move past that today. Begin asking him to give you more of his spirit. Ask him to pour out a manifestation of his spirit on you in your marriage. You, you're struggling in your marriage today? Then ask God, God, give me a manifestation of your spirit so that I can be of the common good for my marriage. You're struggling at work? Ask God, give me a manifestation of your spirit so in my workplace, I can bring the love of God, the hope of Christ. I can bring the healing power of Jesus Christ. I mean, yesterday, y'all are gonna think I'm crazy, but it's okay. Yesterday at that funeral, this woman ahead of me, I don't know her, she's rubbing her shoulder and I'm like, God, heal her shoulder right now in Jesus' name. Heal her shoulder in Jesus' name. And I felt like he was like, hey, touch her shoulder. I was like, I ain't touching her shoulder. No, that's just weird. Well, you know what? She had a bug crawling on her shoulder. So of course I had to touch her shoulder because there was a bug on her shoulder. So I knocked that bug off of her shoulder. And I kept praying for her. I don't know if the woman got healed, but guess what? I'm willing to ask God. I'm willing to say, God, heal that woman, whatever. I don't know her. She was a total stranger but be willing to be bold and ask God to pour out a manifestation of the Spirit of God for the common good. So as we move into this time of expressions, as we prepare this moment, this is an opportunity for us to respond to what God's been saying to us. God's speaking to us today. God is inviting you in. God is not here to condemn you, to bring shame on you. Maybe you are a person who has mocked prophecy or you've mocked the Spirit of God. Today, God is saying, I'm gonna forgive you. He's inviting you in. And so maybe today there's a situation that you have been holding with a death grip because you need it fixed. And God is asking you today, surrender it, nail it to the cross. That child that you have that you've been praying for that's lost, put their name at the cross, trust God with them. Maybe today it's for you to come and take communion and remember the body and the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. It's invited us in to be a part of a symphony orchestra, something that's bigger than ourselves, 
Or maybe today you wanna go receive prayer with our pastors and elders and you wanna pray and you want them to pray for you or pray for a situation because our pastors and elders are people who seek out opportunity to have a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So today you are invited into this moment during worship. Maybe for you today, it's that you finally stand up and put your hands in the air during worship and you just say, God, I'm surrendering to you today. Wherever you are today, don't let this moment pass by. Have courage to step into this moment because God is here with us this morning. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to be a part of a symphony orchestra, to sing songs of love and kindness and mercy, to speak truth, God, where truth is not welcomed in so many places. God, give us the courage to speak the truth in love, to no longer be asleep, but to stand up, to wake up today, God. May you wake our hearts up today, God. God. May you enlighten us today. Give us insight into your word today. Pour out your spirit. Give us words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Increase a gift of faith, healing, and miracles today, God. Give us more prophecy for the common good, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.